0: Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins. Today we're going to talk about a number of things, including an updated estimate to how long it takes to finish the Mandarin Blueprint method when you're starting from zero. Uh, but we're also going to talk about some grammar points. A lot of great questions came in this week. But first, just a little update on how things are going with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Uh, here in Chengdu, China. As many of you are aware, uh, because China was the first hit with the uh, epidemic, it also seems to be one of the first countries to have gotten through the worst of it. So at this point, there are more cases each day. Uh, I'm recording this on March 23rd. So I think or 24th and so this should come out on march 31st so i am a little bit behind but when recording this uh there are far more cases coming into china that are from international flights, locally transmitted cases are down to either zero or single digits each day. So, despite that, though, uh, people are remaining vigilant. They're still checking your temperatures before going into apartment complexes, and hand sanitizer is available everywhere. Uh, restaurants and places where people gather are slowly starting to open again. Um, you know, in Chengdu specifically, there was only a total of 145 people who had it ever. Uh, in the city. And they're all uh, have been, well, unfortunately, four people passed away, but uh, the remainder have all been released from the hospital um, at this point. So there are no more hospitalizations in Chengdu, save for a few that arrived directly at the international airport and were taken directly to the hospital when it was discovered they had the, um, they tested positive for COVID-19 in the airport. So uh, things are calming down here in terms of the panic about it and that's you know well there's never really a mass panic like that seems there has been in some places in the west uh but the thing that i think is important to recognize this for those of you who are in western countries and you're in the thick of it at the moment is that we now have evidence that a country can get through it so there is hope there's definitely hope for the future regardless of where you are the key is to just take it seriously keep your distance from people wash your hands a lot you know all the normal stuff that you know already the point is Try not to think that you're any different from anybody else. Everybody needs to be following these uh, guidelines. And if you do, then there's evidence now, solid evidence that you can get through it and that you can flatten that curve and, you know, get on to moving on with our lives and getting the economy back in order. And also there's a bit of evidence for that is that the pollution levels have been going back up in Chengdu, which, you know, is a sign at least that the uh, economy is starting to turn back into its old self. So... Uh, That's the update about COVID-19 from Chengdu. And now I'd like to talk to you guys about something that we're actually quite excited about. So as many of you know, we released the intermediate course of the Mandarin Blueprint method uh, about two months ago. We released it in two parts, so it was about two months ago that we finished releasing it. And what we've done is we've analyzed everything that needs to be uh, learned and reviewed in the Mandarin Blueprint method and come up with an estimate about how long it takes. Because that's a very common question. People will ask, how long does it take to go through the Mandarin Blueprint method? So first, I'd like to create a frame of reference for this because there are estimates about how long it takes to learn a language that are created by the Foreign Service Institute of the United States Department of State. So, what I'll put on the screen here is a map of some languages in Europe and Asia and Africa that are uh, considered to be more difficult or less difficult to learn uh, from a native English speaker's perspective. And you'll notice that China is, of course, in the category five, where they're saying 88 weeks of you know, full-time study 2200 hours is what their prediction is to be able to function in the language, uh, be fluent in the language, and of course the reason for Chinese taking so long is mostly the writing system. And of course that's the Mandarin Blueprint's strength is the Mandarin Blueprint method helps you learn the writing system faster than anything that's been around before. So that's your frame. 2,200 hours. And you always want to think of things in terms of hours as opposed to years, right? Because somebody will ask you, uh, you know, for example, I'm a drummer. People will say, how many years have you been playing drums? And well, I started when I was nine and I'm 32. So I could say 23 years, but it's not really an accurate way of explaining it because it doesn't talk about those many years in my 20s where I wasn't practicing and it wasn't improving. So it's more about the hours than it is about the years. And so Let's see if we can come up with an estimate of how many hours it takes. And then from there, you can figure out, okay, if I spend X number of hours per day, I'll get through it in a certain amount of months or years. So the first thing we want to figure out is how many things are there to learn in the Mandarin Blueprint method? Well, if we take a look at this infographic, The current course covers 94% of Chinese by frequency. So at that point, when you're at 94% of the language by frequency, the remaining 6%, you have enough context that you should be able to figure out most of it. Now, I'm not saying there's literally every situation you'll be able to uh, work in fluently. Like, I couldn't work fluently in Chinese or in English if I were in uh, the lab of a chemist. Uh, Because there'd be too much terminology, I don't know. But 94% is enough that everyday life's no problem, and you can actually start to have some interesting conversations about, like, you know, politics or philosophy or things like that. And so that's a decent standard by which to start from. And I'd like to point out that. The foundation course covers 80% of the language by frequency and you can do that in our estimate is about 250 hours you can finish the foundation course. There's a law of diminishing returns the most frequent characters come up so much that you can cover 80% of the language by frequency in less time than you can cover the remaining 20%. So the the remaining 20% takes a lot more time than the initial 80%. It's that 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. We've talked about that before. So the current course, through the intermediate, covers 94% of the language. It covers 1,530 individual Chinese characters It covers 4,000 words. There are 5,730 sentences, so that you have context for the words and can properly acquire them. There are over 100 longer-form stories, which are optional, but they give you a lot more context. They help you acquire the words much faster. When you consider these different things to learn, you want to consider, okay, we need to learn them, and we also need to review them. Now, there's a couple things to say about this. So, if we take the addition uh, of the... Sentences, words, characters, and stories. That gives us a total of 12,210 things that need to be learned and reviewed. And now that don't be intimidated by that number because many of these things don't take very long. So it's a question of breaking them down into how long does it take to learn? How long does it take to review? So let's talk about learning first. So we have 1,530 characters. So how long does it take to learn these characters? Well, Learning an individual hanzi by the hanzi movie method is faster than was ever possible before because we have a full mnemonic system to learn the pronunciation, the pinyin final and initial, and uh, pinyin tone, or the uh, one of the five tones. We have the mnemonic visualization for the character components, And of course, the meaning of the character. And we teach you how to, in one movie scene, which is our sort of quote for it's our terminology for how we imagine the mnemonic visualization. In one little movie scene, you can memorize every aspect of a character. Now, at this point, we've had uh, loads of case studies that we've done with many of the clients on the course. And we always ask them, How long does it take you to learn a character? Now, the most common response we get from people is 30 seconds. And nonetheless, though, we want to make sure that we're not giving just the best result. You know, 30 seconds to learn a character is kind of the best you can hope for. Maybe even sometimes it's 15 to 20 seconds to learn a character after you learn the method. But there is a learning curve for understanding how the method works. And we don't want to be too... uh, We don't want to just pick the best estimate. We want to pick an estimate that is uh, more uh, universal and could be averaged out. So we're going to say that it takes two minutes to learn each character, and we're not talking about reviewing yet, just to learn each character two minutes, and that takes into account the time that you need to uh, get used to the method, and also um, just recognizing that sometimes some characters take a little bit longer to learn. So that means that it would take 3,060 minutes 1530 times 2 to learn 1,530 characters using the Mandarin Blueprint Method. So that's our first metric, 3,060 minutes. Now let's talk about the words. Out of the 4,000 words in our curriculum, you only need to learn the first 1,000 individually. So what we do is in the Mandarin Blueprint Method Foundation course, we give words their own separate flashcards. Because you're kind of in a honeymoon period with learning about how Chinese words work, and you need to give them some individual attention. However, when you get to the intermediate course, you can start to learn words right away through context. So you learn a new character, that unlocks, say, five words. The way you learn the words in the intermediate course is immediately seeing them in the context of a sentence that is made up of characters and words that you already know. And so, what that means, essentially, is that uh, you don't need to focus as much on words individually in the later parts of the course. So, the 1,000 words that are in the foundation course, of those 1,000 words, 400 of them are single character words, which means that learning the character is learning the word. It's the same thing and so that means there's only 600 characters that you me- need to make an individual flashcard for and learn through our method. So we're going to say it takes two minutes to learn those 600 words because you have to make a flashcard and you know uh, it just takes about two minutes to do that process. So that means 1,200 minutes to learn those 600 words individually and then the remainder of the words you're going to learn through sentences. So let's talk about the sentences. There are 5,730 sentences, and the thing about a sentence is that you don't actually learn it. It's more just context for learning a word. And so the, the way that you learn it is you're in the course, you see the sentence in the course, and we just tell you, once you understand the message of the sentence, you can move on to the next sentence. And this doesn't take very long because, as I mentioned before, all characters and words that we put in the sentences with the exception of a maximum of one, are characters and words you've already learned. So you're not seeing anything in the sentence that's brand new, except for maybe one word, which we'll call a top-down word. And you can handle that. So the question is, how long does it take you to go from starting to read the sentence to understanding the message? Well, really, in reality, maybe only 15 to 20 seconds, but we're going to make a very liberal estimate and say it takes you one minute per sentence to learn. So that brings you to 3,060 minutes to learn characters, 1,200 minutes to learn the words in the foundation course, and then 5,730 minutes to learn the sentences, which in the intermediate course is synonymous with learning the words. So that brings our learning time to 13,540 minutes. Uh, Well, sorry, that's our total learning time, I forgot to mention two extra parts. We have 850 videos that you need to watch and while some of the videos are optional, we're just going to go with, we're just going to assume that you watch all the videos and that is, of the 850 videos, that's 2,550 minutes of just sitting on your computer or on your phone watching the videos. And then there are 100 stories, which we're going to say 10 minutes per story, each story the sentences in the story are not new to you. You've already seen them before, so reading the story itself probably doesn't even take 10 minutes. It takes about two minutes to listen to the audio for it, but we're going to say that you go through with a fine-tooth comb. You're reading it meticulously, so 10 minutes per story, 1,000 minutes for the 100 stories. And also, the stories are optional, so you could take that out, but Altogether, sentences, words, characters, stories, and videos, our learning time is 13,540 minutes. So that's our first learning time section, but you can't just learn, you have to review as well. And we review using spaced repetition flashcards. Now, luckily, the spaced repetition software that we use in the course called Anki gives statistics To let us know, fairly objectively, how long it takes to do the different types of cards. Now, we have a number of students on the course who shared their statistics on the Mandarin Blueprint Community Forum and gave us general averages for how long it takes them to do the different types of cards. So, for the uh, character cards, that is to say, the uh, cards that are meant specifically to review the characters you learn, there's two Per character, So there's 1,530 uh, characters you learn in the course through the intermediate course, which means there are 3,060 cards because there's two different cards for each character. And same thing with the vocab cards, there are 600 vocab cards, but there's two different cards to review each of them, so there's 1,200 vocab cards. For the character cards and the vocab cards, the average uh, of the different students in the course was 9.6 seconds. So we're just gonna round that up to 10 seconds. And you need to have at least seven or eight exposures to a new fact before you can consider it uh, memorized. So we're gonna say 10 different times of seeing the card. So 10 times of seeing each card times 10 seconds per review. So 3,060 plus 1,200, 3,060 character cards plus 1,200 vocab cards times 10 reps times 10 seconds. And then the sentence cards, there are 5,730 sentence cards. The average that we came up with from our... Uh, different students for sentence cards is 15 seconds. And this makes sense because our sentence cards all have native audio from both male and female. So if you want to listen to them properly you're going to need a little bit extra time to listen to that audio. So each sentence card is an average of 15 seconds. So we have 3060 character cards times 10 reps times 10 seconds for each rep. 1200 vocab cards times 10 reps times 10 seconds for each rep, and then 5,730 sentence cards, 10 reps each, times 15 seconds, that brings us a total amount of review time to 21,425 minutes. Now, there are other things that need to be reviewed, and some other things that need to be taken into consideration. The stories, you want to review them at least one time. Now, the second time through, when you're at 98% comprehension, it probably will only take you about five minutes per story to review. So that's uh, 100 stories times five minutes, 500 minutes for reviewing the stories. But you also have to take into account output. Now, this is speaking practice. This is a very... um This is a very pure estimate, this one. It's hard to calculate output because everybody's personality plays a bigger role in how likely you are to speak to people. So you can obviously set up time with tutors. You can set up time with language exchange partners on various apps and um, online services. But you can also find yourself in situations where there are Chinese people around and you can just talk to them. So we estimate that it takes about 250 hours of output, or 15,000 minutes, to activate the language that you're passively learning through the Mandarin Blueprint method. This is the language acquisition process. You cannot start using language that you've never been exposed to before. That's just a basic logic there. You can't say things that you haven't heard the words for and that you haven't acquired passively first. Input must come first, and that's what the Mandarin Blueprint method is. Best at is giving you comprehensible input every step of the way, but you need to activate it. So we're saying it's going to be about 250 hours of outputting, either re- writing or speaking, before you've activated the 4,000 words in the curriculum. Again, this is a, this is very much an estimate, but that 15,000 minutes we're going to add that in as well. So we have 21,425 minutes of flashcard reviews, 15,000 minutes of practicing speaking and writing plus 500 minutes of reviewing the stories brings us to 36,925 minutes of reviewing time. So we take the 13,540 minutes of learning time plus 36,925 minutes of reviewing time, which brings us to 50,465 minutes total to get through the Mandarin Blueprint method as an average estimate. Now, that in total of a number of hours, that's 841 hours. 841 hours as our final estimate there for how many hours does it take. First of all, again, compare that to 2,200 hours that the FSI puts forward. But remember that this is a, an estimate based on a distribution. So on every layer, there's going to be some people who do it faster and some people who do it slower. Maybe some people are faster at learning, but they're slower at reviewing. Uh, maybe some people are faster all around and, or slower all around. But we did a number of uh, sort of one of the students on our course, Petri, he is a, a risk management analysis, uh, I believe a master's student right now. And he helped us by doing these l- big distributions where you do a number of random scenarios where people are falling somewhere on either side of the average. And he came up with a very similar number to this. So it, it is a solid estimate based on uh, the data that we have. However, of course, it's a it's still an estimate. So we're not saying it, it's absolutely guaranteed to be 841 hours, but it should be around that on average for all the students in the course. So if we take 841 hours, and then you consider your daily study time, we can start to understand how long it should take you to get through this. Now, already, without even knowing anything about how long it might take, we're talking about 1,400 less hours, approximately, than the Foreign Services Institute. Uh, estimates for how long it would take to learn Mandarin Chinese. So we've improved upon what was the traditional learning methods massively, because the Foreign Service Institute, the FSI, they're basing everything on traditional learning methods, which the entire reason that we made Mandarin Blueprint in the first place is because those estimates uh, are based on terrible learning methods. Traditional learning methods is the whole reason that we made Mandarin Blueprint, because we knew they were awful. We knew they were based on uh, very bad underlying language theory. So already without even having to look at the final sort of um, month and year estimates, we're already saving you a huge amount of time. But let's just break it down. So if you spent one hour a day, that would obviously be 841 days, which is two years and six months approximately. Now if you spend two hours a day, you cut that in half one year and three months to get to the point where you're at 94% of Chinese by frequency. 3 hours a day, 10 months, less than a year. Now, that's probably the most that anybody can do, but we are going to have the occasional close-to-full-time student. So if you had 6 hours a day, you could do it in 5 months, less than half a year. And if you spent 8 hours a day, you could do it in 4 months. Now, we know there's not many people who can do this completely full-time. But just consider that it is possible if you just said, okay, I'm going to take 4 months and make my entire goal in life just to become literate and fluent in Chinese, you could do it in four months, which is really um, quite an amazing thing. Just a reminder, again, these are estimates, but they're estimates based on a lot of data and logic. So they're not, uh, as the Chinese would say, ping kong, which would mean to pull it out of nowhere. We've definitely uh, put a lot of thought into these estimates, but nonetheless, always want to have that disclaimer in there. So those are our estimates for how long it takes to finish the Mandarin Blueprint method. Next we're going to move on to a new grammar point. Today's grammar point is covering the tag that you'll find in your flashcard software GW, helper, happening now, 祖詞这. So when we're talking about helpers, we're talking about the little particles in Chinese like or 了, or or 呢. these different uh, what grammatical uh, lingu- linguists will call particles, but we don't like the word particle because it's not very helpful. 助詞, the Chinese word, literally means help word, so we'll call those helpers. Now, before we get too far in the weeds with this particular helper, 这, we want to point out that ch is not the only way to express that something is happening now in Chinese. You can also use zai, or zai before an action, and you can put 呢 at the end of a sentence to indicate that something is currently happening. But for this lesson, we're just going to keep the focus on 这. Now, let's take a look at this first sentence to get a sense of how we might use 这. So the sentence is, 台上坐着几个人, A few people are sitting on the stage. So you could think of 这 in this way as meaning ing. So. When you add ing to the end of a verb in English, that's the way you express that something's happening now. So a few people are sitting on the stage. But there's other ways you could do this. For example, uh, we go zul is sit, is sitting. But there's other things you could do. Jan means to stand, janja is standing. So while I'm recording this podcast, wojanja I'm standing. And you could say Paul means to run, paulja means running so you get the idea of how a simple way to translate ch is just to add ing now sometimes english is inconsistent so it might not always work but that's a general rule of thumb that you can follow now let's take a look at sentence number two 他坐着吃饭. he's sitting and eating now you'll notice that in this sentence there are two actions there's and 吃. so we have sitting and eating but there's only one usage of 这. And that's because you only need to use it once if you have two actions. There's no need to add the second Um So we can assume that if the speaker adds after the first action of sitting, then the second action of eating is also taking place in the present. So that's just an po- important thing to note there, that um, when you have two actions, that's how it can work. Now the next one from level 16, sentence number three, 你自己看着办吧? You can do as you see fit. This is a highly useful everyday life sentence. So anytime you just want to leave someone to their own devices, you can use this sentence, you know, ba. Uh, you can do as you like. And we've got those two actions. Again, we have 看 and 办. So 看着 is like to say seeing. So as you are seeing the situation, 办 to deal with. You can deal with it as you see fit. and. The speaker is effectively saying that you, you have the dealing with being the direct result of the seeing, which is a rather eloquent way of telling someone, uh, do it as you see fit. Now, let's uh, take a look at one more sentence here. Just to get across a certain point about this, so this is sentence four. 哪张床上铺着杯子? That bed has a quilt spread over it. The reason we put this sentence in uh, here in this lesson is because it's easy to think of just as applying only to fleeting moments. You know, for example, if two people are talking right now, it will quickly pass into the next moment where they aren't talking. But in this sentence, applies to things like a quilt spread over a bed. It's just sort of in that state, you know, most of the time, right? There's a puja bhaidza. And so, for example, you might talk about something that's happening in your house currently, for example, uh, your TV. It's hanging on the wall. So... Wall is qiang shang, qiang shang, and then you usually would say that what's on the wall, so shang, right? So qiang shang, gua So gua means to hang, gua is hanging. So a lot of things that are hanging around your apartment are always in that state, and using is appropriate. So we wanted to include this just so you get the idea that can also apply to static things. It's not just fleeting moments. And so again, we'll take a look at uh, these few sentences and keep an eye out for them as you go forward. Stay in the present, as it were, and uh, that's our little uh, pun to help you remember j here. And remember that when you see j, it's a good opportunity to visualize because whenever something you imagine something's happening now, then you can you know put yourself in that situation. And of course, Mandarin Blueprint's all about visualization, so. Visualization occurs naturally when you're reading sentences, so just dig into it. When you're reading a new sentence, really try to visualize it. It's what happens when you're reading a novel, you're visualizing the scenes as it's happening. You can just add a little oil to that, and you'll find that you bring things into your long-term memory even faster. So that's the grammar point. GW, helper, happening now, Next, we're going to move on to some miscellaneous questions that have come in through the Mandarin of community and through email and through the comments on the course. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, this whole section of the remainder of the podcast is all about Q&As, and we try to make the questions that are a little more general or a little bit more uh, potentially applicable to all at the beginning, and then we'll put the the specific to the course questions towards the end. So at any point you can skip around, we have timestamps in the show notes so you can take a look wherever you want. But we're gonna get into some of these and the first one we're gonna talk about is a post by Michael Rochford in the community forum. How much is too much? I commute two hours a day and have the Chinese radio station on and can pick out almost every word but my brain just isn't clicking fast enough. By the time I've figured out one sentence, they're already on to the next story. It's like a tickle in the brain. It drives me to try even more. The amazing thing is five months ago, I didn't even know one Chinese word. Another incredible aspect of Mandarin Blueprint is that it is so much fun and so exciting. I never think that, oh no, I have to do these pesky flashcards again. I write out by hand every movie at least twice, and that has been my biggest constraint so far. Every once in a while, I even post one, and those have been really good ones uh, in my mind at least. I really appreciate everyone else that posts their movies, and it has helped me a lot. In this climate of social distancing, I'm aiming on at least 100 new characters this upcoming week. I have found that doing your Anki every day is essential, but I also uh, think you should try to learn at least 10 characters a week as well. My rule for each movie now is that if it takes me longer than 30 seconds to develop my movie, I start over from scratch. I am loving every day with Mandarin Blueprint. This is really interesting to read. The two hours a day of Chinese radio, I mean, it's definitely, you're not going to be able to understand Chinese radio after five months. That's advanced. Chinese radio is uh, full on, you know, thousands of characters and you've acquired them properly, you know, loads of words before you're really going to understand it in its totality. But you're doing the right thing, which is noticing certain elements of it. And believe me, that's all good. It's all good that you're playing two hours of Chinese radio per day. Keep that up. That's... All that's going to happen is you're going to recognize more as time goes on. So, And as you continue to get more characters and words in your arsenal, they're going to come up. It sometimes feels amazing. There are certain times where you're like, I felt like I just learned that word and then I heard it immediately. And the reality is that you pro- that word probably came up before and you just didn't know it, so you didn't recognize it. But the more words and sentences and, and characters that you get into your arsenal through the Mandarin Blueprint method... The more opportunities there are to learn when passively listening to Chinese radio, so uh, don't feel bad about the fact that it's hard to keep up with. You're still, you know, in the early days, but uh, that's great. That's a great habit. So keep that up. And uh, first of all, thrilled to hear. Second of all, thrilled to hear that you're uh, enjoying the flashcards. Like the fact that it's not feeling like a burden is great. And of course, it makes sense because the flashcard reviews are representations of real knowledge that you're learning. Uh, and that you're putting into your long-term memory. So your initial learning is still short-term memory, but when you get the reviews, especially when you get to about seven or eight times that you've seen the card, it's entering into your long-term memory, and they're called uh, mature cards in spaced repetition software. So uh, uh, you can look at your analytics, actually, and you can see what percentage of the cards you've done are mature. And when they're mature, that's what essentially saying it's in your long-term memory banks. And so the fact that you're not finding that uh, to be uh, frustrating or annoying or a burden, that's fantastic. That's great to hear. Now, I will say that you said your biggest constraint so far is that you're writing down every movie scene at least twice. And uh, far be it for me to say that this is something that you shouldn't keep doing if you're enjoying doing it, Uh, but you can stop if you want. You can just try to keep the memory in your head because the whole point of mnemonic visualization is to try to mimic how actual memories work. So imagine this. If you couldn't just remember things based on how vivid the actual experience was, then you would have to review your life in order to remember things. So if, if you imagine like, okay, when I turned 26, I went to a theme park and went out with several friends, uh, and we had a great time. Well, if memory wasn't uh, strong enough to just remember that on its own, then I would have to review that. Oh, yeah, when I turned 26, I had this great time with my friends. And then, like, let me put that in Anki card just so I remember that particular point. No, of course that's ridiculous. You just remember it because the people and emotions and visual memory are all so vivid that it just stays in your long-term memory as it is. So when you make a great mnemonic scene and then remind yourself of it a few times when you do your Anki cards, then theoretically you shouldn't have to write anything down because if you had to write all of them down, that just slows down the process quite a bit. So it's no wonder that's your biggest constraint, but maybe, Michael, you can trust yourself enough at this point to not have to uh, do this put that much effort into it by writing it down even twice. You maybe tried starting to write it down just once, or even just not trying to write it down. And sure, you might forget them a little bit more often, but you'll still have about a 90-95% to retention rate using Anki, and that's pretty darn good. And so, it looks like you're setting some goals, and yeah, it really is nice that people are sharing their scenes. You know, maybe what you can do is just when you have a really good scene, write that one down and share it. And then uh, that helps other people, so that's a good reason to do it. That's not just about your own personal study experience, but um, yeah, again, like if that's holding you back, you can drop that habit. Especially now, you're pretty far into the course, and uh, yeah, you could 100 new characters a week sounds like a lot when you first hear it, but um, you know, you divide 100 by seven days, and it's less than you know 20 characters per day, and less than 15 characters per day, right? So uh, that's not so that's not so hard, right? It's like a you know if it's a a minute to two minutes to learn each character uh even if it was just fifteen characters per day, that's only thirty minutes of learning time now, obviously you got your reviewing time as well, but it's definitely possible. It's definitely very, very possible. so thanks so much for that uh Michael, and we're so glad that you're enjoying it next, we have a comment from Rebecca Weeble on. Level 22 unlocked conversation connectors, and this is a really good point. I might actually, this is uh, something we've been thinking about changing. So here's what she says. I resuspended all my Anki conversation connector cards because they were doing my head in. (laughs) I guess Rebecca's from the UK. (laughs) They just weren't sticking, and my Anki sessions were taking way too long as I kept getting them wrong. Repeat, 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 and then repeat again in three days' time where I'd get it wrong again. I struggle to remember the order of a string of characters that... Don't easily line uh, align with the English meaning, however, now I'm wondering if not learning conversation connectors is impacting my comprehension of the stories, etc. I can read all the characters in the pieces, but I'm often not comprehending exactly why some of the sentences what some of the sentences mean After reading these conversation connectors above, I wondered if my lack of them was the reason for this, or is it just you are using secondary meanings of the characters that I don't know either way, I'm quite frustrated at the moment here's my attitude towards the conversation connectors. I think we may have made a mistake by introducing them so early because we start introducing them in level 13 and we're like, hey, look at this conversation connector. And a conversation connector to remind people who don't remember, that's something like if you say, to tell you the truth, in my opinion, well, if you ask me, and the idea is that we you say these things to give yourself, buy yourself some time when you're speaking, but the problem is that they don't have much substance to them, which is kind of the point. It gives you something that doesn't have much substance so that you can you have something to say while your brain is searching around for the substantive thing to say. And uh, the way the conversation connectors are, when you're in the early stages, if you're finding yourself frustrated with them, it's probably because they don't have enough substance to them and they're therefore not that memorable. And so... My attitude is really, like, you're probably not speaking by level 13. You're not to the point where you're doing a lot of speaking practice. So we probably shouldn't have introduced them quite that early. Um, In retrospect, you should probably focus on the conversation connectors when you're further along in the course and just kind of do them, like add one new conversation connector a day starting from, like, level 30 or something. So uh, if you're in the course and you're finding the conversation connectors to be a little bit too difficult, uh, what you can just do is, Leave the conversation connectors till you're at a more advanced place in the course, and then add like one or two per day starting, I would say, around level 30. And then if you do it that way, you'll probably find them to be a lot less of a challenge. There's no need to add several per day and all of that. So thank you for bringing that up, Rebecca. You're uh, absolutely right to find them a little bit frustrating at this point. Next, we have Deborah Driscoll on new vocabulary unlocked for qi-chu. So I gave her a little explanation. She had this question where she said, what's the difference between 记住 and 想起来? Uh, Because both of them sort of mean to remember, but there is a slight difference. Now, 想起来, first of all, we have 起来, which is a kind of suffix that you can throw after a verb. Um, And so the way she thought of it here... I mentioned that xiangqi lai is more like recall. So you already knew something and you recall that thing from your long-term memory, whereas ji zhu is more like a an active memorization like, you know, ji zhu wo shuo de hua, like memorize what I've said here or remember what I've said here. It's a bit more proactive, whereas xiangqi lai is like a recalling a memory from your unconscious. And so she said this is a good way to remember it in xiangqi lai. Your thought is xiang, and it's brought up qi out of the depth of your memory, and comes 来, back to you. And I love how Deborah is recognizing that with Chinese words, there's often a logic to them that isn't necessarily obvious until you think about it, but it's such a fun experience with Chinese to play around with the fact that uh, many of these different characters when you put them together and you combine their meanings they're super logical and they're uh quite interesting they make you think about uh things like what is recollection really you know what is memorization it's it's remembering something so that it lives in your brain which is what means and what does it mean to recall well it's to think and have it rise up from the depth of your memories and come back to you. So I love that the way she's already thinking, and you're gonna keep thinking about like that as you move forward. So uh, keep enjoying those types of revelations, Deborah. Next we have Joe Sutcliffe on Simple Final, U Chu. So this is in the pronunciation mastery uh, course. He says, Why is the boo in ni chu a fifth tone? Would it not be second tone as it precedes the fourth tone? Thanks. Well, anytime you have the structure of verb, boo verb, or adjective, boo adjective, it's going to be fifth tone. So, chu is a verb to go. Chu chu is another way of saying, are you going or not? So I could say, ni chuma, Which is the same thing. That's also, are you going or not? Or I can say, ni chu chu? And by saying, ni chu chu? You're quickly expressing the two verbs, and you don't want to make the boo in the middle take too long. So what ends up happening, it's a natural thing that happens in speech, the boo changes to uh, a fifth tone. Next, we have a comment from Mary on the bonus stroke order, rule 7 of 12. She says, I find it reassuring to learn the stroke order. I'm mildly dyslexic, and by being very structured in my learning, it's helping me not write the components upside down. Uh, Yes, you know, it's interesting. We've had a few questions come in from people about um, the use of, or whether or not dyslexia influences learning Chinese. And it's certainly uh, less difficult, apparently, you know, I'm not dyslexic, so I can't Specifically, say, but according to a few people who are, uh, suffer from dyslexia, it's not as difficult to read Chinese compared to other languages like English. But, um, you know, it's the stroke order can really help with that. And there's a stroke order GIF in every one of the flashcards. And so by having the flashcards with the GIF, you can just mimic what the gif shows and you'll get the hang of stroke order in no time like stroke order is not really that hard it never really holds anybody up uh and so if you follow the rules and just really just i don't even think you would even need to learn the rules to be honest i think if you just followed the the different stroke order gifs you'd eventually get it no problem but still uh that's the uh it's definitely something that can help and it's interesting to see that you're saying that it's helping you as somebody who's mildly dyslexic Next, we have Ramona on new vocabulary unlocked, 从来没. First sentence, 我从来没去过中国。Got uh, it. Next sentence, 我们从来没有哭过。Why are we using yo in the second sentence? Thanks. Well, mei and 没有 are exactly the same. Mei, is just an abbreviation for meo. So uh, it's a really simple answer there. You can use me or 没有. Uh, interchangeably. So uh, that's your answer. So tong lai mei and tong lai me yo are both the same. Neil on new vocabulary unlocked shuo fu is the liao or the lu character the char- if you see it on screen here the lu in shuo fu liao pronounced liao. And we do actually go over this in a later lesson, but yes, that is what happens there. So um when lu is pronounced in its second pronunciation, Liáo. It means to complete or finish off. So if I say, liáo," what I'm saying there is it is not possible for me to uh, convince you. It is not uh, finishable, completable. It's not a thing that can happen. So we'll de liáo" um, would mean I am able to uh, convince you of something. So I might be saying to somebody else, like, uh you know, go convince uh her to do this because she's convincible uh and that would be shoufu diliao and shoufu buliao is the opposite it means you can't possibly convince somebody and really you could put any number of verbs there so what, the most common one to that has buliao is shou buliao means i can't take it right i can't uh continue Because so, means to take or accept something so well, means I can't handle it. I remember one time when I was uh, doing a jam session at a, a bar in Chengdu a few years back. Uh, inside, it got it was starting to get really loud and really smoky because in China you're still allowed to smoke in bars. And uh, she just, I I was standing outside the bar and she came out and she was just like, "Oh, shou because it was too loud, too smoky, and she just didn't, she couldn't handle being in there anymore. And that's probably the most common word you'd use with bulyao, but Really, when you see verb, bu, or du followed by that character, that's when it's pronounced liao. And uh, obviously, we always teach the most common pronunciation of a character like uh, this this one. The most common pronunciation is l, obviously, uh, because it comes up all the time. But there is this alternate pronunciation of liao. David Chang on level 13 complete, he left two uh, comments here. The first one was, I found this level quite challenging to progress through. There are a lot of sentences which makes the Anki review more involved. By the end, it got easier, but there's definitely more work with all the grammar building cards. And then uh, his next comment was, ha, of course, the very next video answers my question. So level 13 is special because we uh, say level 13, you should do every single sentence in the grammar building uh sections which are either the it's a word lessons or the new vocabulary unlocked lessons and then starting in level 14 we say hey how did that feel doing all of those uh different cards and uh if you don't want to do so many we're going to give you required sentences and optional sentences so therefore you have less sentences moving forward and uh You know, So David essentially came up with his understanding of like, okay, that seemed a bit much. So David, you should just do the required sentences then moving forward. And uh, it is useful to do the optional sentences. But what you can always do is go through the whole course just doing the required sentences. And then after that, to get more content, go back and do the optional sentences, which at that point, you'll be so much better at reading that you'll be able to fly through them. And uh, it's always good to get more comprehensible input. Just makes you more fluent, makes you more literate. And uh, it was pretty funny to, to see that um, comment there, because it made me think, okay, good, we designed this course uh, not too badly. Next, we have a comment from William Edmedes on vocab unlocked from Bei, which is a character that means uh, aggrieved or sad. He said, I wanted to say, I love the way sorrow is described in this sentence. So the sentence is, ho. Ta yu Bei Shang Zola This sentence means after her husband died, two years after her husband died, she finally uh, was able to move on from her grief. And uh, he said, and the way it's expressed is Zola So from the midst of grief, walk out. And he said, it's as if the lady was immersed in grief and recovered by just walking away from it. And so he said he loved the way that that is described. Yeah, Chinese can be very poetic when you start to get more advanced. So that is uh, definitely a great observation from William. Howard So on New Vocabulary Unlocked for Wang Qian, he said, I've always found it curious that Qian means before when used in a time context. For example, Yi Qian or Qian Tian but means ahead when used spatially, qian wang And the same logic appears to apply to ho. And that is very interesting about Chinese. So in space, what is in front of you is qian. It's what's, you know, before you, qian what's in front of you, wang qian means to move towards the front, wang ho would be to move towards the back, or ho mian means behind you, but holai lǎi, or yǐ These things mean well. Iho particularly means the future, means things that are happening in the future, and it's very interesting that uh, you know that is spatially and time-wise they're opposites. And I don't really know how to conceptualize that. Obviously, in uh, English we say ahead for both space and time, and we'll say behind for both space and time. But for some reason in Chinese it's it's the opposite in that way. But It's not hard to acquire, though. So even though I'm not exactly sure why it is this way, you'll get used to it. It's uh, it's no problem. But it is curious. I I would be interested to find out what the real reasoning is behind that. But it's very difficult with those types of etymological questions because language does tend to evolve naturally. So it's like it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision. Next, we're going to talk about a couple of course updates. So if you are in the course right now, take a look at the sidebar when viewing on your desktop computer or laptop computer you'll notice that in phase three and four the links that are in the sidebar you have new grammar points and i'm updating these each week um some of them have videos, some of them are just write-ups, and all grammar points are bonus and optional. But if you're beyond phase phases three and four, you might find them interesting to go back and read those particular lessons where we talk about the different grammar points like we do at the like I did at the beginning of this podcast. So that's the primary update on the course is that those grammar points are getting updated, you know, on a weekly basis. And I'm writing more of them and uh, Just check them out, and you might find them quite fascinating to look through. But remember, grammar points are always optional. Always optional. Because you don't acquire language by first trying to conceptualize it academically, which is what you're doing when you're learning a grammar point, and then learning. You do it by uh, seeing a lot of sentences where you understand the message, and then you look at the grammar point and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this, I get it. And then it maybe gives you a little bit of a little bit of a boost towards understanding it in the future but it's really important to recognize that it should always be first understand then solidify with the grammar point it's not about first looking at the grammar point and then seeing sentences with it that's putting the cart before the horse so just always remember that and if you want to skip the grammar lessons entirely no problem at all next we're going to move on to our mnemonic movie scene shares uh, that came in this week As a reminder to everybody, there are many people who are leaving comments on the first... 12 levels of the course, all of which already have a video. So, we're not going to share those, but if you're in the course and you want to see, there are people leaving comments all the time, sharing their movie scenes for the first 105 characters. We already have videos, so it's unnecessary for us to add more videos to that section of the course. However, if you're on the course, make sure you look at the comments for sure. We're going to talk about the movie scene shares that come after character 105, and they'll eventually become course content as well. So, it's a a fun way to kind of both answer people's shares and also create new content for the course. So we'll start with Deborah Driscoll on Make a Movie U, which means Jade. The unicorn U, bows down its head to the king, and a drop of magic liquid jade falls from his horn and turns the king's crown into jade. So I love it. So the unicorn is her representation of the Y U. Pinyin initial. I assume this is taking place in the backyard of her childhood home. She didn't mention that, but that's the uh, assumption based on um, the rules of the Hansen movie method. And then we've got the king, which is a representation of Wang. And the drop that falls from the unicorn's horn, representing the uh, drop component. And, of course, it's liquid jade, and it turns the king's crown into jade. So that's the representation of the meaning. Short, simple, great, to the point. And this is a fairly simple character in its appearance, so uh, even more of a reason to make the mnemonic scene simple. Great job, Deborah. Next, Kika Bisogno on Make a Movie for Dio, which means to lose. Diana Ross, D-I, is driving a go-kart outside the entrance of uh, Mom's Gourmet Store, which is her representation of OU. So I uh, got... All of that there, and the go-kart is a representation of CHU, the bottom component. So she's driving the go-kart outside the entrance of my mom's gourmet store while screaming and brandishing a pruning knife, the top component, all the while warning people that if they don't want to lose their heads, they shouldn't try to stop her. She's definitely gone mad. And uh, just to visualize the idea of losing heads, you might want to have her actually... Chop a couple of heads off. You can make it like claymation and not gory if you want. But, uh, you know, the idea of losing your head or, you know, um, and there's also the losing your head as in going mad as well. So there's a couple of layers of meaning there. Uh, But sometimes you want to make sure there's a visual representation of it too. uh, Not just her speaking those words. But it sounds good. I like it. Kika on Make a Movie for Fa. This means uh, method or it also can mean law or France. During a blackout in Australia, Freddie Mercury applied a homemade method of generating hydroelectricity from my sister's home. So there we got the pronunciation and even the, uh, meaning already there. Freddie Mercury's F, the blackout in Australia is A, or just the A, the, the, I assume the sister's home in Australia is A. And, uh, Will be in the will be in the bedroom in the living room. He installed a fountain in the middle of the living room. He then attached a go kart to the base and drove around it, making the whole structure turn on its axis. That's awesome. So we have the uh, fountain represent, representing representing um, water component on the left, and the go kart representing two on the right. The water splashed forcefully against the go-kart's turbine, converting the kinetic energy of the falling water into mechanical energy and a generator uh, converting it into electrical energy. My sister was very impressed with his technique, but was worried it might not be lawful to have this type of contraption in a house. So I love it. So she got both of the uh, meanings of fa in there. And its meaning of France is just because uh, the Chinese word for France is fa guo, but that's not necessarily because the origin of the character was anything to do with France. It was more like they named the country and they used this character to phonetically sound something like France, fa. Um, So the main meanings are method and law and she got both of them into this scene. So it's brilliant. Rebecca Weeble on make a movie for Sien, which means present or current. Props are a scepter and a telescope, left and right. My sea actress is in the backyard of my AN set. She's currently in coronavirus lockdown, and she can see a current event happening down the street. What is happening? It's too far away. She gets out her telescope, but the telescope keeps flopping forward on the stand. She then gets a scepter and props up the telescope end and proceeds to watch the current event unfolding before her eyes. (laughs) Nice. I like that there's a reason why she needs to get the scepter involved because the telescope is actually falling, and that's like a, a... situation you can imagine oh this thing's not working it's frustrating and then so i'm going to find a solution oh there's a scepter that'll keep it up and now i'm going to look at the current event and of course using the idea of current events while in coronavirus lockdown which i'm sure, so sure while she was writing this was still the case if you're listening in the future hopefully everything's fine now um and uh yeah so that's a great scene love it she'll definitely remember that ijean make a movie for "gu," which means bone keyword bone actor Grew in her childhood bedroom props, glass cover, horse's head, crown, and pieces of flesh. Now, this is one of those characters that has four components. It rarely happens, but you know, the system for making Chinese characters isn't always perfectly consistent, especially with the simplifications that happened. So Sometimes we can't help but have four components. But luckily we have Eja and she's great at writing scenes. So let's see how we get the glass cover, horse's head, crown, and pieces of flesh all into one scene. Gru was tracking a high profile killer who killed the queen and ended up in my childhood bedroom. He could feel it in his bones that he's in the right place after seeing the queen's horse head under a glass cover and the majesty's crown lying next to it things were getting less humorous she used she spelled it as as in the humorous bone (laughs) things were getting less humorous after he saw pieces of flesh on the bed and finally a skeleton in the closet as usual he just smashing it so i like they got the glass cover got the horse's head we had the crown the pieces of flesh this is awesome and um so all the scenes are there, and we have the feeling in the bones, we have the use of the word humorous, like the humorous bone, um, and a skeleton in the closet. There's a lot of imagery here, a lot of plays on words. Eja's great at writing jokes, as we all know. And so uh, thanks so much, Ija, for that one. It's a great scene. Dom Thompson on Make a Movie for Do, which is Stomach. Dumbledore is in the backyard digging a deep hole with a spade. The moonlight shines very brightly on him like a spotlight. He's dressed as a belly dancer. Belly dancing along to dancing in the moonlight. <laughs> oh gosh, Dumbledore dressed as a, de- a belly dancer. That's <laughs> that is is an image that is unforgettable. And hey, that's kind of the point. Great job, Dom. Dom on make a movie for Zai. This means located or located at. Keyword connection, X marks the spot. Very good keyword connection. Mark Zuckerberg drags Arnold Schwarzenegger's giant, lifeless body into the toilets of my old office. He uses the spade to dig a hole, burying the body. He then takes out a giant razor blade to mark an X on the bathroom floor. X marks the spot. Oh, I love to imagine what the context might be that Mark Zuckerberg needed to hide Arnold Schwarzenegger's body. That's a good one, Dom. Love it. Daniel Hurst on Make a Movie for Ben. I like to get the stroke order into the story. So instead of Lee surrounded by two drops, I think of it as Lee, a scooter, with Ba written around it, uh, a spider. Otherwise, my story is similar to Deborah's. Yeah, like that's fine. So you could imagine this as instead of two drops, it's because that is essentially what it is. It's just they're shortened. The two uh, strokes are shortened there. So that's perfectly fine, though. If you want to imagine ban with uh, as, li, as li and ba, as li and ba, then that's fine. Michael Radford on Make a Movie for e. This means e is related to medicine or medical things or the hospital. Onto my childhood front porch, my five-year-old granddaughter, Ava, her representation of YI, Steps out with a box of darts. Yeah, so that's the two components. She's dressed in a little white skirt with a Red Cross nurse's hat and holding her toy stethoscope. In a new twist on the old lemonade stand, her sign reads, Free Lemonade with Each Shot, Dr. Ava's Medical Office. Love it. So we have uh, the box of darts. We have his his, um, five-year-old granddaughter as a representation of YI. And we're outside the entrance of the childhood front porch so yeah we got it great stuff awesome michael michael I make a movie for gong Jean autry g college dorm ong athletic field outside gene is trying to pledge a fraternity in my college dorm the hazing consists of the pledges showing an arrow E, from a bow while sitting on a toilet which is the other component and while wearing a horse head no one hit the target, but it was sure fun watching. I'm sure the beer didn't help any. Nice. So, uh, of course, we're in the college uh, dorm, so the hazing getting involved is related to the location, and just using the set. That's recognizing that this is the type of thing that might happen in a set. And then using the props to be a part of the hazing, and, of course, that becomes the, uh, the, the bow here. We're talking about a bow. Um, that's what gong means, to bow. Love it. Debra on Make a Movie for Dong. My lazy person is lying down outside the gym, O-N-G, drinking her bottle of golden gin. Suddenly the door opens and George Clooney comes out, holding a massive clock to show her that it's time to open the gym. He points emphatically at the clock to tell the lazy person to get up and do something. She, she just takes her bottle of golden gin and throws it at the switch so so the doors close. Crushing the clock and George, she just goes back to sleep. The only thing I'm not totally clear on here is, I guess for her, I'm not sure what the lazy person is doing in this scene because maybe she has her lazy person as a representation of Jong, but we have the golden gin as the representation of the gold component on the left. We have the clock, that's the representation of the uh, meaning of the character. And then we have George Clooney, which is a representation of uh, Z-H-O-N-G, is a representation of the final, the gym, outside the entrance of the gym. Uh, And so there's no... The loser component, the lazy person component, is not in this character. Um, So maybe the lazy person is somehow her representation of Zhong, uh, which I suppose is fine not sure why she set it up that way but that's that's perfectly fine to do it and then um everything else about the scene i like quite a lot uh it's quite cool And <laughs> we have the clock uh getting crushed with george and then she just goes back to sleep it's funny so um maybe you could clarify what you meant by where the lazy person comes in deborah but otherwise i like the scene next richard krauss on make a movie for doll. Remember when you were young, you shone like the sun. Shine on, you crazy diamond, Pink Floyd. A perfect song to remember this character by. A sun and a campfire shining on a young Harry Potter. Pink Floyd performing Shine On in the background. And uh, Jerry Seinfeld doing a stand-up of the bizarre scene with his trademark incredulous expression. All on the street as a substitute for a backyard by... Wow Bao Restaurant. So, uh, obviously some of the, yeah, we got the campfire, we got the sun, and Harry Potter, right? Because Harry Potter can do a summoning charm, which is the uh, top right component. So those are the three components. And we got Jerry Seinfeld as his representation of ZH. And the Wow Bao Restaurant is his representation of AO in the uh, on the street, since there's no backyard for the Wow Bao Restaurant. Love it. And uh, I like all the cultural references here. You got Harry Potter, you got Pink Floyd, I love Pink Floyd, you got Jerry Seinfeld. It's great, awesome. So that's it for this week's Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. Check out mandarinblueprint.com. Of course, if you haven't already tried the Mandarin Blueprint course, you can go to MandarinBlueprint.com slash the Mandarin Blueprint method and learn all about it. And please, if you have any any other questions, you can send us an email at podcast at Mandarin We'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week.